You're listening to Dental Talk from VivaLearning.com. Thanks for joining us. In this episode, we'll be discussing cash flow in your dental practice. Historically, dental practices have been generators of strong cash flow. But when cash shortages arrive, the dentist feels paralyzed on how to correct the situation. Understanding the steps to remedying cash shortages are critical to the long-term viability of a dental practice. Our guest today is Trent Watrous, a dental-specific CPA from Nashville, Tennessee. Trent continues to work with practices in varying levels of success, from startup to fully operational or actively struggling to overcome prior financial decisions. Trent, it's a pleasure to have you on Dental Talk. Thank you, Philip. It's always good to be with you. Yeah, so this is your fourth podcast of your series, and they've been very informational, fantastic advice for our young dentists, our dentists that have been around for a while, like 20 years, and even dentists that are practicing for longer than that, 40 years. Um, All good stuff, all critical to the success of a practice. And uh, this one's a fun title, My Practice Doesn't have enough cash. I mean, it's not that much fun for the person who's who we're talking about, but it's just a, it's a fun title as far as catchy. Um, how common is it for a dental practice to struggle with cash shortages? You know, it's not uncommon, Philip. I don't know that I could say an um, an absolute statistic. I can tell you from what I see pretty commonly that I would say one out of seven probably do have uh, clear struggles with having enough cash to meet their obligations. Hmm. Would you consider this still a good time for dental practices? I mean, I know there was a real super golden age when the whitening uh, buzz was going crazy. There was just um, the makeover shows were going on and you couldn't do anything wrong back then. I mean, every every dental practice almost had to be successful to some extent. Uh, Tell me if I'm right or wrong. You're the one checking their books. So was it still one out of seven back then? You know, I think there's always been a one out of seven. Uh, If we look back over the course of the last few decades, we've had a lot of challenging times. I'm just going to give you a a few examples to think about. If you think about post-World War II, coming home, the economy was booming. People needed money, but they had to overcome the absence of, of readily available funds. We moved into the Korean War period, high inflation in the 70s, Vietnam impacting how we spent money and what was going on in the economy, high interest rates in the 80s. Things began to get great in the 90s. We had some some tax reductions, the economy. And then you look at the last uh, 15 years. Yeah, we had a recession, but we're still a very stable economy. It's my belief in any of those years, there were always some dental practices that struggled. We may not recall them, but in every economy, there are folks that don't have enough cash and generally, it's self-imposed. Hmm. What is the first step, in your opinion, in curing cash shortages? I think the first step is admitting that it's not working. And the reason why I say that is, is I've had many prospects come to our firm and, and clients that have said, I'll sign up because I've got to make a change. If someone can admit that, listen, this is a this is a problem. I can't make payroll each week and I'm stressed out. There are often indicators that lead that person to having that problem and they have been able to solve it sometimes in their past, but many times they've not. And so here's what I tell them. It's okay. You've never been here before. So the 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 skills that you have are not applicable. 
it's going to take some new skills to manage your money to solve this problem so that your anxiety goes away and you get your financial condition back on stable ground. So what is a common trait among dental practices having cash shortages? There's a couple of common traits. The, the first one is they don't know their numbers. I, uh, I say pretty often when I do presentations, it pays to know your numbers. The, the practice that has cash shortages or has a cash shortage, very commonly, they don't know what their cash balance is. They live from day to day just asking, how much do we deposit today? Well, that's only part of the equation. The other part of the equation is how many expenses did you incur today? How much did you collect in revenue today? How much did you deposit? Are we filing our claims on time so that we get the cash in? There's so many other factors that come into what are your numbers and do you know them? The second most common trait in my mind of, of practices that are having cash shortages is there's some kind of triggering event historically that put them there. And they may not want to talk about it, but that triggering event could be, I took on too much debt, I bought too big a practice, and I can't, I can't produce all the dentistry. Or I had a great practice, and I got into credit card debt, and it's got me, you know, it's got me in the corner. So there's normally an event that can be identified. The last habit or trait that we might see is that the the dentist's personal life parallels the practice problems. The practice is struggling because the dentist is struggling outside of the practice, continues to draw the cash out to satisfy some other uh, lifestyle or financial obligation. And with that, the practice can't pay its bills. So those are some of the common traits that we see in, in, in practices that are struggling. So out of the one out of the seven, the one of seven offices that are experiencing cash shortages, just out of curiosity, let's take out that subset where there's something going on elsewhere where they're pulling cash out for personal reasons. How many do you think are actually suffering from cash shortages that are responsibly running their practice, that are not pulling it out for some, you know, expensive yacht mm -hmm. they just want to buy or a sports car or, you know, they, they have everything together. They're very responsible fiscally, but they're just running into cash shortages. Is that a rare thing? Yeah. No, it's it's really not, Philip. That's a good that's a good way to ask a question. I see what you're getting at. I would say one in three or one in four is actually having a deep management issue. Most of the time you'll see folks that are managing it fairly well, but when you don't know your numbers, then you can't make the best decisions moving ahead. And so the problem continues to perpetuate itself. Mm-hmm. Oftentimes, with just a few tweaks and some monitoring and encouragement, you can get a practice back on the, the solid financial ground that it needs. But the owner doesn't have the skills to know, how do I get there? What, what is it that I do to correct this issue? So they continue to make the mistakes. And that's just a management training opportunity. It's not a problem, but an opportunity that can be corrected and moved on for the future. Yeah, yeah. And there are also some early adopters to technologies where they just, they love dentistry, they mean well, and they get really carried away with somebody coming into their office showing them this new technology that could cost $50,000 and they just fall in love with it. And they think that the ROI is going to be great because that's what the sales rep told them. 
they, you know, they're a little bit more vulnerable to purchasing expensive capital equipment, right? Oh, I've never heard of that happen before. <laughs> so, I thought that was only in fairy tales. Yeah. So what, I, do, you, what I, do you do when you, I mean, you, you could probably pick that up pretty quickly when you're working with a client. What, what's your approach to solving that issue? Well, the, the first thing that I try to do is look at the practice and, and really understand what's going on in there. I look at the numbers. Sometimes you have to help someone create good numbers because they don't have a good set of books. Um, not having a good set of books is like not having an, a good odometer on your car and you never know how far you've gone. So hmm. you've got to be able to measure the success of what's going on in the practice. And then we start identifying where does the cash go? If I could teach one trait to all dentists in general, tell me at any moment, I'm talking any moment, how much cash do you have and what do you owe someone today? If they can learn to have that constant awareness of where does their cash go and how much do they have, they will be successful. But if you're waiting till the water's coming over the edge of the deck of the Titanic to know where the pump is, it's not going to be a good day because you're already basically underwater. Learn that habit. Learn that trait to know where is my cash, what's going to be collected, and where does my cash go. I find it intriguing if you're working with a practice that's got deep struggles to it, Philip, and you go through the list of disbursements and you say, uh, what's this right here? And they say, I'm not sure. And you say, well, you signed the check. Oh, no, no, no. The front desk makes the checks up. I just sign them. And so when they don't know where their own money is going, it's very hard to account for how do we make the changes necessary to strengthen the financial condition. So know where your cash is, know where it's going. That leads to success. Mm -hmm. And that's really a mindset. I mean, the dentist has to get into the mindset that what they're running is a business, even though there's tremendous amount of dental specific procedures that are going on. When that person you just gave an example of just signed the check, they were in the mindset of only being a dentist. It's a, they're blocking their minds out saying, okay, this is the front desk issue. I just want to get back to my patient. It'll all work out. That's what I think. But uh, one question I want yeah. to ask you. Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. Well, I was going to say, you know, one of the things that I tell uh, clients fairly often or, or attendees when I speak I didn't go into accounting to manage an accounting firm. I went into accounting because I need to know how to handle numbers. I like numbers, but if you're going to live from day to day, you have to be able to manage a business. And in a dental practice, I don't necessarily encourage a client to, to hey, you're not, you don't need to go get an MBA, but you do need to learn the basic skills and the basic knowledge to manage your practice, because it probably is the largest financial asset that you have in your portfolio. So managing it with the basics is going to improve things rather than having a continued lack of knowledge or ignorance of your condition and expecting a better outcome. Just out of curiosity, when you find a client is overspending, which is putting them into, a, you know, inevitably putting them into a cash shortage position. Do you say to them, hey, George, I love working with you, but the next time a sales rep comes in and tells you what your ROI is, run it by me. Let's meet before you spend $5,000 on anything or $2,000. 
call me. Let's go over where you are at this moment and, and let's review really, you know, why would we want to do something uh, that's going to put you more into a situation where your monthly expenses are going to go up? That's right. So oftentimes we'll put a threshold in place. Uh, you can spend money on these items here, like the utilities and payroll, but you don't spend over dollar X without us talking because I can help the client understand the ROI that's associated with the technology or with the equipment. Uh, a good parallel there would be, hey, the dental rep said I can expand my procedure base if I buy this additional equipment. And I'll have to ask the question, well, I thought you already had that equipment. Well, I do, but I don't use it to its capability. Well, if you're already making a note payment on the first equipment and you're not using it, why would you incur additional debt on something that you can't pay for and really don't need? And helping a client see that mathematically, that helps the light bulb go off. Hey, we don't need to do this. And they can look at the rep and say no. Right. And it's a benefit to the dental distributor to make sure that the doctor isn't buying too much and their office gets out of control because that's going to end up in a bad relationship and a failure anyway. And it's not going to be a long-term client of that dental distributor. How long can it take to correct a cash shortage? You know, Philip, you didn't get into this problem overnight. So we're not going to be able to get you out of it overnight. And what I mean by that is, is I admire the courage of people who will often call and say, hey, I got a few problems. Um, can you help me? We look at it and we say, yes, we can get that solved. But don't expect it to solve itself in 60 days. If you got yourself into a pickle financially over a period of two years, it might take two years to get back out of that pickle. And the good part is, is when you come out of it, however long it takes, you're going to be so much better off. Had a client about uh, about six years ago have to make a very tough decision uh, on their financial condition. They um, bought into a practice, and there was some surprise indebtedness, and it was just a tough condition all around. They opted for five years to go into a plan to make extremely heavy debt payments. Last year, they completed that process, got their creditors paid back. The beauty of that is they're now debt-free, and they have more cash than they know what to do with. But during that five years, it took a lot of discipline for them to realize you just kind of got to swallow the, the pill, get it corrected, and now they're doing extremely well because they've got extra cash flow. They've reduced all the indebtedness and gotten it all paid back. So yeah. it can take a little time. You just you want I, I, I try to counsel with folks to have reasonable expectations. Right. And when you talk about our national debt of our country, uh, think about the payback that we're heading towards oh, at the boy. current moment. Yeah. You're talking about a dental office versus the United States. Boy, oh, boy. <laughs> Great I, point. Uh, yeah, that's that's Great no 60-day fix, ladies and gentlemen. Mm -mm. Okay. Yeah. So, Trent, that's, that's been amazing stuff. You really have uh, enlightened us on um, such important key financial topics that affect all of us as a dental practitioner and a de as a dental business person. Um just so our listeners know, there are four episodes that we've completed. Understanding the balance sheet, the profit and loss statement, does it matter? Benchmarking your profit and loss statement, and the one we're in now, uh, talking about my practice doesn't have enough cash. So before we wrap it up, Trent, can you let us know the best way to reach out to you if, if our listeners have any questions? 
Oh, sure. Uh, you can Google my name. I'm Trent, T-R-E-N-T, Watrous, W-A-T-R-O-U-S, uh, Trent Watrous Dental CPA. It'll come up to our firm's name, and you can find all of my contact information under there. Be glad to answer your questions. Okay, thanks again, Trent. We really enjoyed having you and uh, hope to have you on future podcasts down the road. Thank you, Phil. It's always good to be with you.